Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. It's good to, to be with you all this afternoon. Um, we're now experiencing our first Canadian, well, for a long time, winter. So, <clears throat> Jesus, help us. Help us all, right? Okay, so we're in the middle uh, of a, the start of a year, actually, in our theme for the year is come up here and come and experience all that God is for us. Come and experience all that God who God is, wants to be to us and come and experience all that God wants to be through us. And we've been talking a little bit in this first um, series <clears throat> about worship and how our lives are an act of worship that the Father wants us to experience Him and, be, and get so overwhelmed with how good he is that we give our whole lives back to him. And today, as I said earlier, I, wanted to, I want to share a little bit about um, proclaiming the excellencies of God, just reporting how good he really is. And so I want us to turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look, read from verse 1 to verse 12. So 1 Peter chapter 2, it's going to be up on the screen as well, I, I believe. Uh, but I encourage you to get out your Bibles um, either on your phone or, uh, and then stick on your phone with your Bible, not on WhatsApp or something. And then, um, or get out your, your, the actual book. I'm gonna read from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse one. So, put away all malice and all deceit and, all, and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame." So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to. But you, it's now speaking to us, those of us that know Jesus and are members of uh, his global church, his body, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So there's a lot to unpack here and I'm not gonna be able to get to all of it, but I, I want to just start by looking at verses nine and 10. And um, my first point really is just to remind us that we exist for God. We gather for God, we, we uh, are in relationship with him, not for our own benefit, not for our own, you know, not just for our own salvation, but we exist 
primarily first and foremost for God. He has made us, he has chosen us, he has desired us. And as we can see in verse 10, it says, you are not a people once you were outside of the people of God, but now you are God's people. Not just a people gathering together, we are God's people. When we gather together, when we live our lives, whether we gather in, in this room or in connect groups or one or two, you know, two or three of us gather together, we are gathering as God's people. Not only are we God's people, it says that we are a people for his own possession. The Father's desire is that he would possess us. He has an inheritance in, our, in this church family. He has something that he's laid hold of us for that he wants to fulfill, that he wants to achieve in this city and beyond, in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, that he wants to do that's beyond just you and I. He's created us for himself to be his own possession. He also wants not just to give us his purpose and to include us in that, but actually he wants to possess our entire hearts. He wants to possess all of our affections. He wants to take over every part of our lives and our community life. He, we exist for him. He's chosen us. He's made us who we are. And so what we see here is in verse 9, it says that you, all your, we as a community, all yours, you know, from where I'm from in North Carolina, as you can tell from my accent. All your, you, we are a chosen race. We're chosen by God. We belong, we're a race because we're in Jesus. We're a royal priesthood, we're kings and priests to mediate between God and man. We're a holy nation, a people set apart for him, a people for his own possession. All of those four things, they are either direct quotations or allusions to or themes that we find in the Hebrew scriptures that have spoken of about the people of Israel that God chose the people of Israel. And part of the purpose of choosing the people of Israel was that they would reflect uh, the, the glory of God, that they would be a mirror of who God is and of his love and his goodness and his grace. And they would reflect that back to all of the nations around them, that the nations of the earth would experience how good God is through the people of Israel. And, uh, you know, they, they weren't very good at doing that. They weren't consistent in that. But what God's saying, what, what Peter's writing here is, you, we have been possessed by God, by the precious blood of Jesus. We now belong, not based on our own ability, but because he's chosen us and he's poured out his grace upon us and he has given us salvation in Jesus. Now we belong and the purpose of our belonging is to reflect who he, who he is and to proclaim the excellencies of his name. And I want us to just to notice for a minute, all the language is people. It's not just an individual. God has saved us for himself personally. We, each one of us have been invited into a relationship with him. Each one of us carry a facet of his glory and of his magnificence. But we're actually not to just to be in a relationship between us and God. He's called us to be a people for his purpose. So we have a collective purpose. We're gathered, not just scattered. We all have a part to play. We all belong and we all have a part to play and we all represent God and we represent each other. You represent me and I represent you and we all represent God. And so we're his own possession. So what's the purpose of him choosing us? What's the purpose of him making us a people to gather together? The purpose is this, that we would proclaim the excellencies of his name. 
So let's unpack that for a minute. So to proclaim, there's really there's two dimensions of that proclaiming. There's a report. We report and we, and we, we just share what God's doing and we tell abroad. The, you know, it's a, the, the idea is that whatever God's doing in us, we share it with other people. We tell the story of God. We tell the story of God in our community. We tell the story of God in our lives. We share it with other people. We report his goodness. And so this, the dimension of, for us of proclaiming the excellencies of his name first starts on this dimension, where we get to tell those around us how good God is, where we give, where we give testimony of his goodness. We proclaim his goodness to those around us. We report of his goodness, which is praise. And so our call is to proclaim to the earth, to the people around us, to, to those in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our uh, places of work, in the shopping mall, where, you know, in our families, wherever people don't know how good God is, our call God's given us collectively and individually is to proclaim, to tell those around us just how amazing he is. And we've got to experience that ourselves first. We share that testimony. We share the results and the, the reality of God in our lives. And so, you know, Ash and I, we've been uh, just moved into our house about a month and a half ago. We've been traveling more than we wanted to do, really, more than we've, uh, we, should, you know, we, we, we should in that sense. So we haven't, we haven't been able to get to know our neighbors just yet. But I've been laying my hands on our you know, we live in a townhouse. I've been laying my hands on the wall, you know, through to our neighbors and just blessing them and asking the Lord for opportunity to meet with them, meet them, and then asking the Lord for an opportunity to, to be a voice of influence and blessing and, and, and strength to them. And, and so yesterday, we were out walking. We went to the store. We came back. And as we walked back, we got the chance to meet our neighbors and uh, just introduce ourselves, find out their names, and, you know, and just build a little bit of a connection now, my prayer is as I'm going to, you know, gonna, we're going to continue to pray and ask the Lord to open up opportunities for us to share who he is and to share the good report of who he is, what he is for us. And, you know, the starts with prayer because the reality is everybody that doesn't know Jesus is actually spiritually blind, not of their own choice. And so if it's a spiritual issue, the, the solution is spiritual first, which is to pray and ask God to open their eyes and so here's my question to you, or just my thought in this. You know, we're all in a place where we're in contact with people that need to know how good, good God is, but don't yet know it. Prayer is the opportunity to open the door. So if you're, you know, if you're sitting next to someone at your workplace and they don't know Jesus, just begin to pray for them if they're not, or if you haven't already, that they would you'd be open up to his goodness and that you better proclaim his, his, your testimony of his goodness in, in your life. And because we're also a royal priesthood, we're kings and we're priests, part of that testimony, part of the declaration, part of the proclaiming abroad isn't just to tell people how good God is, but to help them experience how good God is through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So we're not just to declare, but we're to also um, demonstrate. And we're, because we're connected to the power of heaven. So part of our proclamation that we do, not just as an individual, but us as a community, that our lives are meant to reflect the goodness and the grace of God and to be a testimony to the people that are around us. The second dimension is a heaven dimension. That our testimony that we're proclaiming, when we gather together, what we're proclaiming, the Bible says, and we just put your, keep your finger in 1 Peter chapter 2, but we'll turn to um, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 very briefly, and it says this, 
it says that, uh, that now through the church, God has made the manifest or the multicolored or the multidimensional wisdom of God to be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realm. There's a dimension of when we gather together that actually we are not just proclaiming to ourselves and worshiping God, but we're now making a declaration into the heavenly realms that we don't see, but is all around us, the unseen realm that's made up of the dominion of darkness, which is the, you know, the, the devil and all of his demons and all the hordes uh, you know, of, of the demonic realm, but also the angelic realm. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, in a sense, God's team, and we're, we're proclaiming, actually God through us is proclaiming to them that he is brilliant, that he is glorious, that he is powerful and he's majestic, that he is multicolored in his wisdom. What does that mean? Well, I, I just, one of the things I love about this community is that we're so diverse in our ethnicity. You know, and some people think that Jesus is a white man's religion. But actually, he wasn't white, he was Jewish. And actually, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven will be people from every tribe and tongue and nation from all over the planet, every single race, every nationality, every color, and they will represent the kingdom of God. And so what we find is the church is actually not just here as we gather on this plane, in this building, uh, you know, whatever the time is, 12.24 on a Sunday in Etobicoke, Mississauga, wherever we are. But actually, we're also seated in heaven and we're gathered around Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms, proclaiming how good he is. And that's preaching to all the, the, the angelic realm, all the authorities and the rulers and the principalities and powers that God in his multicolored wisdom is taking humanity back. It's bringing humanity that's defractured and disconnected and individual and you know, hating each other based on race or color or creed or whatever. But God is reuniting us all, not based around our conformity, but in our diversity. And he's made, but he's bringing us into unity through Jesus Christ. And that the redemptive purpose of every nation, of, of every people group, that which is good about them, God is saying, I'm going to take that, I'm going to use it for my glory, and I'm going to bring them together into a place of unity and diversity. And I'm going to preach to the principalities and powers that actually they belong to me. And I'm good, and I'm kind, and I'm gracious, and I'm loving. And so we gather, not just because it's a nice thing to do, we gather to preach to the principalities and powers. What are we preaching? We're preaching that Jesus is Lord. We're preaching that we're gathering around him. And what we're preaching is that he's taking humanity back and that actually there's nothing that the devil can do to stop the forward movement of the gospel. We're preaching that God is under is in control all things are under Jesus's feet that he's making humanity that don't that shouldn't know him have no right to know him now come to know him and to be together and experience him and actually to proclaim that not just that everything the principalities and powers are under his feet so we're gathering not just for the earth dimension we're gathering to proclaim in the heavenly realms when we gather whether it's here or in our homes, wherever we're gathering, we're actually gathering as the heavenly community around Jesus to declare his grace and his goodness. I think we just need to have an upgrade in our thinking around our, our meetings. And what are we gathering to proclaim? Well, we're gathering to proclaim and we're proclaiming in our own lives the excellencies of God. That word in the Greek means moral virtue or, or excellence. But if you look at the way, you know, in the, there's a Greek version of the 
of the Hebrew scriptures and it takes the Hebrew scriptures and this word excellence is, you know, substituted for words in the Hebrew like glory and praise and song of praise and weight and power and splendor and majesty and all of those, you know, God words. And so we're proclaiming the beauty of God. We're declaring his love. We're declaring his power. We're declaring his splendor. We're declaring that he's not like us, but he's good and he's kind and he's beautiful and he's pure and he's loving and he's wonderful. So we declare, that's what we're to declare. Yours and my life is, has been designed by God. We've been called into a relationship with God that individually and together we would reflect his goodness and proclaim the glory of who he is to those around us. But now we go on to see that part of our proclamation isn't just our words, it's our lives. The way that we live is important. So in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it said, you know, Peter's saying, like newborn infants long, or other translations would say crave for the spiritual milk, long for the spiritual milk. I don't know if you've ever seen a newborn you know, they're crying and crying and crying. And then as soon as a bottle comes anywhere near them, it's like they can smell the milk and they feel the taste and their, their heads wobble around and they're like, give me that thing now, right? It's like, don't hold it, just, get, just shove it in there. I need it, I'm craving it, you know? And, and, and so what, what Peter's saying to us is, like newborn infants crave the spiritual milk. Now, just a quick Aside, not an aside, just an explanation, I suppose. In other parts of the New Testament and in the Old Testament, spiritual milk or the milk in generally is actually, um, you know, a symbol of immaturity. But in the context of this, this milk isn't for immaturity. What he's saying is long for that which gives you sustenance and nourishment, long for that which brings you into salvation crave after it. So to me, that's speaking about the Word of God. Crave after the Word of God. It's speaking about the, you know, the power of the Spirit. Hunger and thirst and crave after the power of the Holy Spirit. Positively, the key, to, the key for us to live and, and to step into the, the calling of proclaiming His excellencies is to recognize we can't do it on our own. We need the milk of heaven. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Word of God to transform us and to bring us alive and to make us holy. And, and, and Peter's saying, the more that you taste and experience how good God is, the more you'll want it. If you're, if you're not very hungry for God, it's because if I'm not very hungry for God, it's because I haven't experienced just how good and satisfying and pleasing He is. And, and His desire for us is that we would crave Him, that we would yearn for Him, that we would desire Him above all else as we've been singing. That's the positive. The negative, the, the flip side of that is what Peter's also saying in verse one is this, put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. In other words, all the things that actually damage community. All the things that stop us from being the fullness of who God's made us to be as a people, that actually things like slander separate, hypocrisy separates, put it away because our calling isn't just to be individuals, our calling is to be a people that reflect His glory. And part of that glory is that we love and we live in good relationship with each other. Put aside everything that tears at the relational fabric of the church. So that's the first thing, our lives matter crave the spiritual, reject that which brings disconnection. The second thing that God's, you know, Peter's talking about is in verse 11, is to remind ourselves that we are beloved, that we're loved by the Father, and we've been called out. And because we've been called out, we don't belong in this culture. 
We don't live under this culture. We are, in a sense, what he says is exiles and sojourners. We are immigrants. That we, know, we are people that are just living in this place, having a human experience in Toronto, but we actually belong to heaven and we have a citizenship in heaven. And so, but the, what, he say, what he goes on to say is that there's a war and there's hostility. In the culture that we live in, there's the war of the flesh, that the flesh, which is our passions on the inside, they're warring against us. They want to have control over us. And Peter's saying, resist at all costs. How you live matters. Don't just align up with just whatever goes and, and live with whatever you want to do in your own heart because then you'll look just like everybody else. You won't reflect his glory. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Live in the transform transformation of the blood of Jesus and live in a way that you push away all the passions and desires of the flesh and we live in a Godward way to, you know, uh, you know in, in love with God. The flesh wants us to follow its passions, but we're to push away from that. It's a war. Paul says elsewhere, I beat my body, I bring it into submission that I would experience God. Don't be soft with sin in your life. Go after it, war against it because your reflection of the beauty of God matters. But the second thing that Paul, he's saying because you're sojourners and exiles is the, 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 the culture around you is hostile. I don't know if you've experienced that or you know that, but there are some people in this city, there's some cultures and, and some ideologies that actually would say that the Christian ethic, the Christian you know, de definition of sexuality, the Christian definition of gender, the Christian definition of, um, I, shouldn't I shouldn't say Christian because it sounds religious, what the Bible says about gender and sexuality and marriage and, and community and all of those things where you know, the culture would say that is immoral. It's immoral to tell people that you can't just, they can't just love whoever they love. Love is love. They set themselves up, people in our culture have set themselves up higher than the love of God and say, God says to you that you could only, you know, a man and a woman together. That's immoral. It should be love is love. Anybody could be with anybody. God says that he's created your gender. That's immoral. You could be whoever you want to be. But the Bible doesn't say that. But that culture is warring against us and says that our ethic is evil, and we've got two choices. We've got two choices. We can either fight and rail and war against that, or we can actually succumb and be like that in the culture and not surrender ourselves to the Word of God. Because the Word of God says that we are to hold that as truth, but also to walk that out in love. And so we're exiles. We're, we're, we're exiles. We are living in a place where we either get to choose to line up with culture, but then we don't reflect the glory of God, or we actually walk, walk out and allow him to work in us that we actually reflect his glory, even to the people that are around us that don't believe. And so Paul, Peter then goes on to say in verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles, which is the people that don't know Jesus. Keep your conduct amongst them honorable. Live your life in such an excellent and honorable way. Proclaim his goodness by living a life of love. Proclaim his goodness by living a life of joy and peace. Proclaim his goodness by living a life where you're not railing against people, but they find acceptance and a place of friendship with you. Live your life in such a way that you're pure and that you don't step into gossip when other people gossip. Live your life in such a way that when you see a need, you don't just walk, turn the other way, but you give that need and you help with that need. Live your life in such a way that when people look at you, they see 
There's goodness in you. Because the good deeds of God, the good deeds of love are disarming. How questionable is your life? How questionable, it's a big word, is your life? Do people look at your life and see the glory of God, which is love and joy and peace and purity and holiness and good relationships? And, and maybe we don't get that right all of the time, but that's where we're going. That's what we're working towards. That's what we desire. Or do people look at your life and see no difference to everyone else? Worse than that, do they see you as worse than other people because you don't control your mouth or whatever? Well, to live our lives in an excellent and honorable way. And part of that is love, is living in love, living as a community of love a demonstration of people in a society that's atomized and individualized and disconnected and everybody's doing their own thing and wanting to do their own thing and, and there's no space for community, a community that God is creating us as a community to demonstrate and to reflect his love, to show what it looks like to love someone else, to lay our lives down, to serve someone else, to, to, to give our lives away to find a place where people that don't, even if people don't believe the way that we believe or they don't behave the way that we behave, they can still belong. They can still find a place of love and acceptance. They can still find a place where it says, you matter and I wanna be in relationship with you. That's who we've been called to be as a community. We've been called to walk out that love and to walk in not just my truth, but to walk in the truth, not just to walk in me as an individual, but to walk in community and as a community to manifest the magnificent and glorious love of the Father to those around us and to the world. How we live matters. And what's gonna happen? What's the outcome that we're looking for? Well, it's this. It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, your life can be a turnaround for somebody else. The way that you live your life can be a turnaround for the people around you. They can change from being in darkness to light, just like you came out of the darkness into light. They can come out of a place of, of, of just being enemies and thinking that all that we do is evil to stepping into the reality that they've experienced God and they have their own testimony and they are experiencing the life of heaven. Not everybody is gonna do that, but we're gonna see our desire as we live our lives is that people get transformed around us and they come out of that darkness. There's gonna be a turnaround. There's gonna be a turnaround. There may be some of us here that have family members that have for years and years rejected the truth of God. But what's happening under the surface that we don't see is that slowly but surely, the water of the Spirit, the testimony of your life, the goodness of your relationship, the purity of your heart, the way that you love people, the way that you love them, even when they don't like you, is gonna wear them down. And there's a turnaround that's coming in your workplaces or in your communities, communities as we live our lives on display, as we proclaim the excellencies of heaven, as we live in community of love together, God's gonna move and shift and turn things around. Because his desire is that we would all reflect the glory of God and his goodness. So how are you doing in your life? Is your life on the trajectory of reflecting the glory of God or is your life one that people look at and say, if that's what Christians are like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. Sadly, for many of us, that's the reality of what's happened. But that's not God's heart and his desire. 
is that we would proclaim the excellences of his name and that there would be a turnaround because of the power of heaven on the inside of us. So I want to invite you to stand if you would. We're going to just uh, lead, just finish in one song of worship as a declaration. I just want to remind us as we're singing, you know, we're singing both to ourselves, but we're singing to our city and we're singing to the principalities and powers in this age and we're declaring God's one. We're declaring God is good and we're declaring come and experience how good he is. And so I want you to just, while we're getting ready, just pray a very simple prayer with me. Father, would you cause my life to reflect your beauty and to reflect your glory? Lord, I want to put away everything that hinders community. I want to embrace community. Father, I ask that you would help me put away everything that's of my flesh. Help me not to succumb to the culture, but to live true to your word and reflect your glory. And I declare a turnaround in my own life and the lives of those around me. In Jesus' name. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.